Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I'm wearing a dress, over a vest, over some jeans, over my pride. Joining me is a pair of aviators, the Von Duchess herself, Marin O'Connell. Oh, to be a Von Dutch girl, if I could have done it the first time around, but I could only afford the stuff down in the milk market in Limerick, because who had the money when they were that age? Hello, Caroline. Hello, hello. I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> this is, if any long-term fans of the podcast might know, Marin first came on about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Um, for an episode on red carpets, and that is many, many people's favorite episode of all time. That's first oh. so unbelievably nice. I get very nervous now, and I want to hide under a table. Like, oh, <laughs> too much pressure because I love this podcast. Um, it's just like I sometimes I like to imagine myself as like um the podcast as being almost like a, a naughty's rom com magazine, and like. It, different people have different heads of departments and like in my head you're like Murin on fashion <laughs> our fashion <laughs> even though you've come for one episode but in my head you're like a deep friend of the pod except she's that girl on fashion who constantly doesn't know how she I dress in a potato sack an old school famine potato sack because those that can't do bitch about it <laughs> Precisely. Um, uh, uh, your your creds on uh, in fashion is you're you're a lady who's on TV every day mm. and has to has to please the public with mm. her um, with her thoughts and appearance. Yeah, which can be um, and people have thoughts, many many thoughts on everyone's appearance because uh, it can be it's like a, a boss of mine said can you not wear that colour anymore because you're just blending into the set and you just look like a piece of poo I was like good po- I will take that on board because I don't think about things like that when it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm losing my mind sitting on the edge of my bed in a towel like we all do staring into a wardrobe full of clothes going I have nothing to wear why does this happen we all have why stuff this- to wear we- <laughs> We all have stuff to wear. And because um, we're living in this era, much like what the naughties were like the first time around, where there are there's not sort of one style, one fashion or one trend, but a flurry of ever mounting, ever cheapening uh, uh, trends and outlooks and aesthetics and aesthetic sensibilities that are forever shifting uh, and our, it's like just the landfill of fashion is just looping around again and that's why I have you on today. We're talking about Naughty's fashion, wh- what it was, why it was and why it's back. <laughs> that is such a good question and I think the people before Naughty's fashion will say late 80s, whatever, are going, we're looking at us going, why is this back? When you were thinking about Mm. 
tulip skirts or the puffball skirt coming back, mm-hmm. which is back again. Mm-hmm. Everyone always thinks in their teenage and 20 years that they're the ones who did it first. No one has ever been the one that has done it first. We're in an age of people shoving themselves into corsets again and women have been lighting themselves on fire in corsets since the 1500s. There's nothing new. So we just got to go with got no ideas, shove it up, ramp up the price or cheapen the price and see if we can get this made for five cent. It's just weird. Nothing is ever really that new though, is it? You know, nothing is new ever. It's all this, exactly. We're taking like silhouettes from like the 15th century and just putting some cutouts on it and then putting it on a TikTok uh, influencer and calling it new. But what, what comes back is never new. And interestingly why it comes back is also never new and like i just wanted to park ourselves in like what was your experience of the noughties the first time around and like what do what do you remember it looking like feeling like outside of like let's bring ourselves out of like the what we think of in a celebrity sense in terms of like your britney spears in denim or your paris hilton with the tiny dogs like what did it look like for you in limerick so Around the noughties was the time that Ireland really had money for the first time and everyone yes. had money. We did not know what to do with ourselves. We were like, no, oh, oh, we've coffee. We can buy coffee. Like everything was new. We thought we were living our best London, New York lives and going out in Limerick in the noughties was like you were going to a wedding every weekend. There were gals heading out in 250 euro Karen Millen dresses that they were wearing once. The Karen Millen dresses mm. that are back now. Why did she? She's sitting there going, you know the way they're all back all over our Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. satin cocktail dress silhouette, the boob tube, all that. That is all back. That was Limerick every yes. single Friday and Saturday night. And I went to college in Galway and I'd come home going, what? the flip is going on here because it was so posh there was so much building going on in Limerick Limerick was always the um it, it was always kind of the butt of the joke in Ireland it was totally it, it had no uh like you're from Munster you know yourself Cork mm-hmm. beautiful West Cork oh my god the lovely accents the English market you're so cool you've got wet you've got all the blow-ins from the 70s who have been doing drugs in West Cork without the guards caring for decades <laughs> Fantastic. You've got Dublin doing its thing. Galway always been a hippie central. Your, your view of Cork is so ambitious. <laughs> it is It is like baked out people in their 70s now drawing another watercolour of a puffin that they are somehow fucking selling <laughs> near in Clannacilty for like £300. And you're like, how are you making this work, lady? But go off. <laughs> because Clannacilty is too charming. That's the issue. It doesn't matter that things are overpriced. It's charming. And those things, you know, they're not meant for you or I. No, we no. need that. We need that German and American money. You know what I mean? We gotta get, we gotta get that good English money into us. And Limerick was always the whipping boy because there was nothing there, right? No. It's, you know, King John's Castle. It was called Stab City for years. It was, it mm-hmm. was. Only, only, you're only allowed to really bring that up tastefully if you're from Limerick now. It, it was such a unkind joke for so long in Ireland that... It was, it's like, it's like someone else slagging your mother. 
You're like, I can yeah, do it. Yeah. You cannot do it. I'm from Limerick and, you know, Stab City. We've got guns now, lads. Move on. Come on, let's move with the time. <laughs> so it's not a tourist hub. We don't care. And that's why Limerick can be quite insular. We don't expect people to come. They come for the rugby grand. We'll see you. Off you go. Mm-hmm. You come a few times a year. And then for the rest of the time, we're quite happy to be insular and have our own thing. And my God, did the Celtic t- Tiger thrive yes. in Limerick. So for international... Um, for international listeners, the Celtic Tiger is this period of Irish uh, social history where there was just a heck of a lot of money going mm-hmm. around. I'll never truly understand why. <laughs> it's just, it's such weird maths because it's not like, you know, it's not like we suddenly had this great export that we were putting out there or that suddenly we had more tourists than we used to. We, I think it, there was a lot of borrowing. There was a lot of building. It's hard to quantify. I don't get it. But like I, you know, me in Cork then, which is like not a metropolis, not like a metropolis or anything, but maybe slightly more urban than Limerick would mm. be. Um, like I, I knew 16 year old girls who had mulberry bags, you know, like I, um, could, uh, girls who were being taken to New York for Christmas for shopping trips and then who would come back with their Bloomingdale's little brown bag bag and that was like the thing and I, I just remember it as being and I think this is so fascinating because this is truly global I think so some some trends when we talk about trends they're like mm, that was six people in LA for six months that wasn't really a trend no one actually wore a floor length denim dress really you know like <laughs> But one thing that actually really did happen was this label thing um, that is such, it's such a nouveau riche thing, right? What happens when people who've never had money suddenly get a lot of it? They become intent on proving that they have it. And on one end of the spectrum, that was like, you know, I remember Louis Vuitton luggage becoming a thing. And it was so, so obviously, objectively aesthetically rank <laughs> like it was so tacky and yet it was just all about the LV and remember the white Louis Vuitton with the LVs on them mm-hmm. and 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 um and it was a big time for fakes as well a big time for people going to Spain on their holidays buying a load of Louis Vuitton fakes and then brandishing them around as if they were onto something yeah I also remember it as being a huge time for like big luxury brands launching um sort of smaller more affordable labels not smaller bigger more affordable labels like your ck1 your mark by mark jacobs and then the kind of the jewel in the crown of sort of like quasi rural city life was the arrival of tk max i think because it was this was like now labels for cheap labels for cheap labels for cheap that was now i think we think of tk max as being like Homeware, nice place to get candles, the odd cardigan, some discount beauty shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Couldn't. But then it was like labels, 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 you know? And as someone who has gone through, uh, for anyone, the recession in Ireland after the after our Celtic Tiger, mm-hmm. it, we're still feeling the ramifications. Like there was no money. There's ghost estates. There still haven't been filled. It was really bad. Yeah. The labels all coming back in my head is sending off massive alarm bells, huge alarm bells about what's about to come. Because you can't yes. walk down the road now without anyone brandishing the micro bag. It's it's everywhere. Yes. Seeing people wear Champion and Russell Athletic as a label again, kind of that 
cooler because it's vintage you know you're buying it in a in a vintage yeah, shop yeah, yeah. which used to just be charity shops but you know whatever they can charge more and it's it, it's just sending off alarm bells to be lads what is coming around the corner because that's what the blatant um wearing of labels means to me it means something bad something bad it, is a coming it mean it means borrowing it mm. means living on credit it means living beyond your means and it means anxiety right it means like a real sense that you're not keeping up or you're about to not keep up you know it's mm. such a it's such a fascinating thing isn't it that like i i know we went over this so much in your red carpet episode but like fashion is never flippant it's always telling us something you know and the the throwaway nature of fashion the literal throwaway nature of fashion now. It started in the noughties. But what it's become now is I had someone ask me uh, one day, do you never wear pennies? And sent the shrug emoji. Yeah. And as a woman of my age, you know, late millennial, I'm like, no, because I will wear my clothes. Like I've got clothes inside there that I wear every single week for five years. I want something that's going to wash and that's cost per wear. Going to cost me nothing. And the whole thing of being, you know, you're too good for pennies. No, it's not that at all. But I do want to, as I'm older, wear stuff that's going to last that I will like for years. And it's just, it was kind of that judgment that got to me. Yeah. Like, what is that about? Don't we have to look at the, and it's not preaching to people. It's not saying that I wouldn't. Of course I buy stuff in pennies. Who doesn't buy stuff in pennies? Primark. Sorry, Primark. Um, Primark for internationals. I know, which for Irish people, it kills us. It kills us. We're like... (laughs) Every time we say it, it just curdles in our mouths like sour cream. I had to tag them one day and it felt so bad tagging Primark (laughs) because we're like, we... we, You're from here. You're from here. Why did you... You're from here. We made you up. Yeah, it's like when I have to change my name when I leave the country. It's... It's just the exact same thing I do. It's like, but your name was easy to say, Pennies. Why did you have to change it? And I know it was because of JCPenney and all that kind of stuff. But still, we're quite proud of Pennies being originally from here. Fair play. Um, But it does, it's setting off real alarm bells. A lot of the trends that are coming back. I'm like, "Uh, lads, what are we heading for? But like... Is that really depressing? Is that really depressing? It's re- that's the thing. It's really hard to have like a social conversation about fashion without it becoming depressing. Because like on that thing with pennies slash Primark, like I've got I've got a wool polo neck in my wardrobe that I bought in pennies the year before I immigrated, which was two thousand and ten. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's still I still wear it. So like there was there was a time where you could get affordable fashion that was still wearable, and like affordable didn't mean literal pennies like or like one or two quid it meant I probably 14 euros in 2010 <laughs> do you know what I yeah. mean like like but I think we I, all have lasted that. me I think we all have that I've got a pleather jacket from pennies that I love it's years old and none of the fake leather has come off I'm like this is great handy great for a night out um and I and of course, because our demand has gone up, they can't sustain that because they have to get the things out quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And we all want new styles every week. Like going back to the noughties when you would go into a shop and the clothes that you saw in February would still be there in April. Yes. Yes. Like that wouldn't like, happen anymore. 
And this was like also, um, if you're... <laughs> If you're an Irish Catholic person of quality, you um <laughs> you have several junctures within your life. You almost have two bar mitzvahs. <laughs> you have your first Holy Communion where your relatives give you money mm-hmm. and you generally you're generally like six or seven. I think you might be older now. I think they're kind of bumping it up now these yeah, days. Yeah, it's eight. But um it's eight. Jesus yeah. they're getting on. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> more money when you're older. Give me that fifty. One, Give me that fifty. That's true. Um, you you might buy your your Barbie roller skates when you're that age, and then by the time your confirmation comes around when you're twelve or thirteen, it's it's such a big moment in the life of the Irish preteen girl because it is the first time in your life that you have purchasing power, and it was it will invariably go on clothes, and you will have a thing. In your head that you will be like thinking about I'm, I'm gonna get that I'm gonna get that I'm gonna get that and for me that was um a nope hoodie um oh the piesta resist well it was a step down from the we'll talk about the piesta resistance in a second but nope that was the one that we could achieve you could achieve no nope. that was there there was like there was probably in Cork there was like one shop I think it was called gasoline mm-hmm. which sold kind of um uh, was way too overpriced. It had some American import stuff. It had some kind of a little bit of Hollister, maybe would be there, or import like sort of um, things like that, and um, some skatewear. And Nope was in that skatewear category, and it had the, it was just a big fucking hoodie with a big cat on it, <laughs> a big, <laughs> and that was it. But it was just it was status, you know. So it was. And it was so big. There was, so there was the really posh thing was hobo. That was the one that started yes, first. Yes. So Hobo was the fancy European uh, Scandi Skate one. brand. Yeah. Then Nope came in and we were mm-hmm. like, okay, we can do Nope. It was the blue kind of, not quite fleece, but that sort of velour fleece mm-hmm. mix. Blue with the navy on it. And then there was Sussed underneath Sussed, it. yeah. So those yeah. were the three levels. And that was your, and you saved your confirmation money to be like, I can get one of these. And that was your status then. Big deal. That was huge yeah. deal. Huge. huge deal. Yeah. Um. And it, 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 even thinking about that of like that moment, and I, you know, I mentioned it's the same for bar mitzvah kids, where you're you're you come into your purchasing power at that age, and you're like, what's that big purchase going to be? And it made me think that like, tr- like trends as we know them are so they're so for they're for the young, right? I feel like. Trends are for your teens, fashion is for your 20s and style is for everything after that. You know, like by then you're, I know, <laughs> look oh. at me, Oscar Wilde. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think I just had a movement. That was, that was hot. Very moved. Oh, that was hot. I've to fun with that. I know my chest feels very hot oh. now, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm very attracted to you right now, Caroline. My God. <laughs> I know where that oh. come from. Um, but... <laughs> So this is really the podcast of self-congratulatory speech, but um, the but like you know, the thing of like a trend item is um something small and reasonably affordable mm. that um a young person can with a little bit of saving and cunning and possibly whining can get their hands on, and that's in the no hoodie. That's the Von Dutch cap, which could maybe I think you could they they filtered through to Ireland quite slowly because they were such a random thing that like a couple of celebrities had picked up. And then just blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could you could about a year and a half later get your hands on one for maybe thirty quid, which yeah. is an astronomical amount to spend on a baseball cap in that era. 
um, a Lancome juicy tube, you know, like that kind of trend items, little things that you can just about get and you can keep up with that. Yeah. And then fashion, as you move towards that, it becomes more about pieces coming together to create aesthetics. Um, and that aesthetic, I think in the noughties, it was like, because it was like both the dawn of the internet and we, so we had like style bloggers and, you know, your Tavi Gevinson's, you know, 14 year olds in their spare rooms just putting on clothes and putting things together and like showing a kind of eclecticism that was sort of genuinely exciting and genuinely fun. You know, she'd be there 14 years old with a silk turban on wearing a massive oversized necklace and like mm. four skirts and you're like this is what it's about this is what fashion should be and then the kind of naffer end of that is that we were also getting this thing it was the dawn of reality tv it was the simple life it was all that kind of stuff it was camera phones where like the line between celebrity and real people was like blurring and eroding Mm-hmm. So we were seeing them in sweatpants. We were seeing them in T-shirts and jeans and caps and things. So it wasn't like the only time you saw a celebrity anymore was when they were on the red carpet. It was like you were seeing them everywhere all the time. So you were getting like these looks that were just like this the mix of the eclectic blogger thing, but also young people being photographed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it would just be like Ashley Tisdale wearing three belts and... <laughs> Or whatever, you know, like, so it's just people putting together new looks and not because they know they're being photographed all the time and they don't know what they're doing and the stylists haven't come in yet. So they're just like, I'm wearing a T-shirt, a vest, a dress, two necklaces and I have my hip bones out somehow. I genuinely feel it was the time that I like to call the throw shit at the wall time because anything stuck. Whatever you had, you put it on. And we're seeing it again now. The whole, I'll never forget, guy friends of mine had such an issue with one trend in particular. And it was was the skirts over the trousers. Yeah. Yes, there was there was a girl in our school. She's brilliant. She's like this amazing sports person. And she had just an amazing art. She still has an amazing art. But the lads would be like, what's the point? We can't see her legs. Because of the trousers, we can't see your arse because of the skirt. And I was like, it was the ultimate cock block in fashion for guys that they were like, I don't know what the what's what's going on here. But it felt that we now had so many different things. And as you said, the accessibility was there. So things just kept on being put on and layered and layered and layered and layered and layered. And yet somehow you had to show skin. And I suppose we are talking about sort of what the sort of Christian world here into into what mm-hmm. was going on. It was it was real, real, in, real interesting because I don't think you can define Naughty's fashion. It was everything. Yeah, it was too much stuff going on at the same time. And maybe it always feels that way when you've lived through the moment. Like, obviously, it's easy to think of the 70s and think of maybe two or three looks like you've got Flower Child, you've got Disco Flares and and probably a third thing um <laughs> but maybe business lady um but uh when you think back of a time that you yourself have lived through you were like but it was everything it was emo it was preppy it was skaters it was this it was that it was um you know Paris Hilton but it was also Avril Lavigne you know yeah. so uh, but all are all those actually part of the same thing which is just throw shit at the wall see what happens throw shit at the wall because I suppose now it's quite homogenous isn't it like yes whatever your style is even though they're all there when I saw Katie Holmes in December wearing the corset 
dress over the straight jeans. I was like, what is happening? And I always love, because Katie Holmes obviously was around in the noughties and Joey and people had strong feelings about Dawson's Creek and everything. And I've always, I've always seen, and especially in New York blogs and style magazines and everything, you know, noted tastemaker Katie Holmes. I'm like, <laughs> what? Again, this is just what one about fashion. What taste did she make? This is not about, Kate, listen, she got away from the pod people, fair play. Her ta- if her taste is flushing Scientology down the bath, well done, fair play to her. But it's always been, you know, she's held in this esteem of the New York elite. When, oh, look, Katie's out doing this. And I'm like, she is a girl from the Midwest who's wearing clothes that a girl from the Midwest in America likes to wear. Can we just leave her alone? Just leave her alone. It's bizarre. I've always felt the same way about Chloe Sevigny. I'm like, what am I looking at? <laughs> I, like, oh, my God, icon. What am I looking at? I was she watching. She seems lovely and cool, but I don't understand. I was watching an episode of Poker Face and I went down. Oh, and- yeah. Absolute rabbit hole because she was guest starring in an episode of Chloe and all of the things that have bequeathed her this style icon thing. And I swear to God, I started to see it because <laughs> it's everything and it's nothing. I'm like, OK, so it was, you know, she was a tastemaker. She was a, she was that she was just wearing something a little bit different, I think. But people get crowned this. Mm. because of and this is fun about fashion this is not about the people you do you this is great I have no idea how to dress and it it is the the oh we do this these will be on all the blogs and I've never understood who the followers are of it mm. of where it is meant to be I don't think did anyone ever really want to be Joey from jo- Dawson's Creek did we want to be any of them no I thought I thought everyone wanted to be Michelle Williams in Dawson Creek. I thought she was the fun one. I don't know, know if anyone wanted to be Jen one. either. At one stage it was like, oh, thank God Busy Phillips is here so we can have a bit of a laugh. They were just all such moaners. They were you, drippy girls. Uh, yeah. All of them. You're like, who, what? Like you look at Buffy and then you look at Dawson's Creek and you're like, they're in completely parallel universe because Buffy was just so unbelievably stylish. Proper tastemaker. Mm. Like the clothes that Buffy was wearing are all back. Oh my God, you're so right. You're so, and all, yeah. All her aesthetics uh, from from when she was in high school through to college. Like I remember when she was wearing the long Gestapo-like trench coats in wine and everything. The yes, leathers. Yes. They're everywhere. They're everywhere now with that 90s silhouette. Hers were a little more tailored. Buffy is it. I think she's just timeless. Buffy is so fucking it. But like, we have, I can't believe I haven't done a Buffy episode yet. I'll have to get around to it. But, um, there is something as well in the Buffy summer style that was very, it's very interesting because it's like, yes, she, she'd have like her Slayer outfits, which were her long Gestapo coats and that kind of thing. But she'd have like her school outfits then that were so kind of ultra feminine and very girly. And like, that was sort of the nice thing about her as a character, wasn't it? Was that like, she was this incredible badass and with this huge weight on her shoulders and this responsibility on her shoulders but she was also a girl and she just wanted to go to prom and you know she was girly and that was lovely about her but it brings me to like something else about this particular time in fashion as in the the noughties of it being um so feminine yeah like I just I, I was watching uh eating my lunch earlier on I was uh 
watching The Simple Life, um, which is so fucking funny. It's such a funny show. <laughs> but I just, and I know those girls, those women were ex- extremely young, but just like the amount of pink, the amount of rah-rah skirts, the amount of like pastels. It was such little girl dressing that like you would think normally young women try to get away from because they want to urge towards a kind of a womanhood mm. or something. But no, it was so girly. And it made me think of it being almost like, is this because in a way it's wartime fashion? You know, it's like we're, this might be a fucking stretch, but like it being the sort of post 9-11 era, it was kind I I sort of see it as being a very gender binary time of men having to really be men and women having to extraordinarily be women. Always happens um, when like a lot of is expected of one gender, the other Mm. gender has to counterweigh it or something. And so it's like, this hyper femme dressing, which you, when you move away from the kind of grunginess of the 90s, is very interesting to me. It's because you are 100% right about, you know, when we think about the, what we all wanted, if you were around in the 90s, it was you wanted to be an All Saint or you wanted to be Angela from My So Called All Life. Saints, exactly. Yeah. Yes. My So Called totally. It was the kind of the, moody dressing, moody sexy. The the oversizedness of it, that everything was alluded yeah. to, but it wasn't blatantly on display. And like what you've said, in the noughties, in a post 9-11 world, I suppose, globally, and, you know, trying to find weapons of mass destruction and this hyper-masculinity, yeah. Of it became we derobed. It was all about derobing and wearing less and less and less and less in comparison right? to everything that was alluded to in the nineties. And it like and it and it does that. We can go back further as to into the sixties as to how you know they were derobing, and it's it's just this roller coaster of what they have to do because like fashion, war comes in war comes war in comes in waves. It yeah, comes in waves. oh my. It caught a fucking like Lockheed hell. Lockheed yeah. Martin want to make some money and they're doing as much lobbying as they can in the US right now to be like we'd we'd like a bit of a war. So it's really interesting that you've said that because we've seen the pleated skirts on the simple life as well because we've got Paris Hilton mm. coming back being Paris Hilton mm-hmm. and not the character Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. so lovely, isn't it? Like I love both, you know. I like. <laughs> But like watching The Simple Life, it's I for some reason saw an episode, I don't know whether it was on E4 or whatever, and I was like, why didn't we get the joke at the time? They made fun of them, and I was like, they were making fun of everything. They were so funny. They were, like, Nicole Richie in particular is a genius. She's so, even if you just watch like a highlight reel on YouTube of like funniest moments, Simple Life or whatever, there's just a... I don't know. I just think if boys were doing it, it would be a different thing. There's like a deadpanness to their humor that is so funny. That thing of like when we when Paris does this thing of it, she goes, "What's Walmart?" and then everyone sort of looks at her, and then she kind of blinks slowly, and she sl- her eyes slightly shift to the camera, and they shift back to the person she's speaking to, and she says, "Is it where you buy walls and stuff?" And it's like she's having us on, and she's the one laughing. You know, the two of them before they fell out, like yeah, they're like. They were laughing, you know, it was and it was like you would see them just doing on the bus, just like singing along the way that like young women do when they're on the bus together and going on a road trip. They'd be on a greyhound going across the country and they would just start like having a little sing song, annoying everybody else, but then kind of dragging them in and making them sing along with them. And it's like, this is girls, man. This is what girls do. And they're both not relatable because they're heiresses, but totally relatable because they're just. 
fucking girls, you know? And is it because we were watching women not give a shit in a way that wasn't constructed into they were constructed characters by themselves yeah so I suppose you know we had the Spice Girls was the one that we really kind of we realised yeah. what marketing had been done then you know we were like okay yeah. so Smash Hits created the Spice Girls names not their personalities but they decided to do it themselves and it was it was a bit much because Ladek culture in the 90s was something that was very created I came to realise mm-hmm. In the noughties, after I'd gone to college and discovered beer and put on four stone, that Zoe Ball and Sarah Cox weren't out all night drinking a beer. They were photographed with one beer and then they were on the vodka tonics. You know what I mean? Like it was it was <laughs> something that you realise over time going, but they haven't put on four stone from drinking 28 pints a night. So, you know, it's what we buy into as well, this sort of what's, what's sort of being pushed at us. And they were, they didn't care. They just went fine if they're going to write about us like this they didn't care because they didn't have to care because they were already so rich yeah they were bullshit and, and they're it, like this is who we are and it was it was it was so charming whilst not really being very disrespectful at all <laughs> like there's the, the the kind of they were always the butt of their own joke that they were creating they were essentially like blonde larry davids you know like they <laughs> were fabulous and that's it's sort of don't we have to go away from it to go back and go oh yeah. that's what was happening because at the time we just can't appreciate or see what we can't see we couldn't see them as being funny because they were two blonde rich women yeah was that it yeah which sure I mean like there's plenty of reasons to despise rich people like go off but like on a, on like a, an individual level it's just like just admit these two women are like self-knowing and charming like why why is that so difficult for you to admit yeah. you know these two individual women are very charming Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, but on the skin thing, I'd be interested to go back to that for a minute because the war thing is interesting if you see the kind of, like, you know, there's the there was the, like, 1940s trend of the bombshell Mm-hmm. In that, like, literally pinups of, like, barely clad women, mm-hmm. your Marilyn Monroe's or whatever, Marilyn Monroe proposing for the calendar in the 40s or whatever, of, like, this was the woman that you were fighting for kind of thing. And this was the kind of the, 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 the really the age of the mass distributed nude, really. Before that, it was, like, an under-the-counter thing. Mm. Um, 
But then we get so much skin again in the noughties. And is it another version of this is the woman you're fighting for kind of thing in a kind of a subtler way. But it's also that that body in the 40s was about a bountifulness. It was about a like big boobs, big curves, like sort of a, it was supposed to evoke a kind of a, oh, aren't you just hungry to devour this lovely, soft, curvy woman? But the, this, the, the body type in the noughties, which is sadly coming back around with things like Azempic, is just so, it's bones. It was bones. Mm. I, I, see, I get the tinfoil hat on about a lot of this stuff and what happens with fashion because it was during COVID that that sort of, my so-called life fashion came back for young ones, you know, the yeah. oversized shirts when we were all stuck inside. But then mm-hmm. as soon as we're back out again, and, and this goes back to sort of someone like Victoria's Secret, the creator mm-hmm. of Victoria's Secret flying around on Jeffrey Epstein's jet. And that an awful lot of these fashions are pushed by middle and older men on younger women, right? They're the ones who are deciding it top down. And I think it is becoming more female-led with more women Mm. in positions of power. But it has Mm. been increasingly, it hasn't been a roller coaster. It has been just more skin on show for almost 20 years now with a little break for COVID. You know, like I really, a lot of the time I sit there and this is no judgment on them. And I think absolutely fair play. You look unbelievable. But I spent a huge amount of time going Rita Ora, are you having any fun at these parties? Because you're wearing a thong, you've got, you don't have a nipple tassel on and you've got this sheer thing on, which is great. You look phenomenal, but you're going Mm. into a party and you know when you're on a night out and I work with some amazing young ones and one of them is amazing. She loves Love Island. She should be on Love Island. She's fantastic, looks great. She wears all the Love Island stuff and I can't help but look at her boobs. On a night out. And I'm like, I have to tell, listen, let's just get this out of the way. You look absolutely incredible. If I'm looking down, I'm really sorry. And a lot of the lads I work with are like, I can't go over to that table because I don't want to be caught looking. They're like, I I don't want to be fired. I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do that. But it's, if I can't help but look as a straight woman, I'm kind of going, and there's no shame. Absolutely wear what you want and fair bloody play. Go for it. But I always wonder, and is it because I'm getting older and I'm more prudish? I don't know that naturally comes with time, but I do, it does, the the kind of sexualization of young people, it does kill me. I think it's everywhere. I think it's rapid. I think it's getting younger and younger and younger. And I find it really disgusting. Like when you look back at what Victoria's Secret, which is run by an older middle-aged man, what he did to kind of the culture of how it is that teenage girls should look this hyper-sexualized nature of them. Again, is it because I'm getting older? But I'm pretty sure I had this problem when I was 25 as well. I think, do you know what? I, I, I have... I have mixed feelings about it where and I think actually that because I live in I live in London and I um uh, I I live in a fairly residential area and there's quite a few secondary schools mm. and um so there's a lot of teenagers kind of around kind of thing and I also spend a lot of time with teenagers because I visit the schools for um the young adult books that I do so I I hang out with them a good bit and their weekend dressing is so different to how I would have dressed when I was that age. Like, I was so afraid 
of my body all the time. Mm. And um, I remember after my first disco, I wore like a rugby shirt and jeans and a bandana. <laughs> like, like that was my first disco. And then I was like amazed when I didn't get the shift. And then like the second one, I wore black jeans um, a transparent top from Pennies, but there was a string top underneath the transparent top. The classic then- <laughs> top. We all had that Pennies top. Classic. Loved it. It was purple and I felt so sexual in it. <sighs> so shit hot. I remember that. But feeling. still, but still so afraid, still so afraid somebody was going to say something. And then I look at these 14 year olds, 15 year olds, and they're, some of them are wearing like a long t shirt, no pants. And I'm like, wow. And sometimes they're like girls who, like me when I was about 15, 16, got a lot of boobs a lot quickly and didn't know what to do with them. And so I was very much in the cover-up culture. Yeah. But they're just like, they're just wearing like a wool halter neck with no bra and they're just out. And I'm like, wow, you seem, you're there, you're having fun with your friends, you're just having the crack. I'm like, I really hope that you're doing this because you're having fun because I would have been afraid to dress this way. And I hope you're not afraid and I hope you're just having a good time with this because it's your body and you should love it and whatever it looks like and however you are. And that makes me feel really encouraged. But then it's a thing of like, is this a sexualization thing, though? Is this a joy thing? Is a sexualization thing? Or can you even separate the two? Like, do we put makeup on because we love makeup or because we get compliments? You know, it's like it's so hard to separate at every level of femininity, you know? I see... I want women to be able to wear whatever they want. I absolutely do. I think it's amazing. And anyone who has that, anyone who can do that, absolutely brilliant. It's just, I worry about, I do worry about that question. Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for someone else? Is it for, because it's just, it's just the Andrew Tateification of the world as well. And it's, women are objects. And are you, because as you get older, you realize you're dressing for yourself. You're not dressing for it. You're dressing for women. You're dressing for other women. Yeah, You're not yeah, dressing yeah. for anyone else. And I just wonder at that young age, are you dressing for yourself? Or is it to, like, I knew that at that age, like, lads would talk about me if I wore a certain pair of jeans because my bum looked really good in them. And I wore those jeans mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get, to kind of get clout and a reaction because I didn't feel like I was attractive you know and it was like oh well they like they like me in that so I'll wear that and I kind of look back and it just makes me really sad do you know that that was something that came into my head and I just hope it's I just hope it's like that because I know there's a lot of pressure you know it's hard it's hard when you talk about naughty's fashion to not transplant yourself back into your young self you know yeah a little bit (laughs) yeah to be a little what what was it and you're right sure we don't know what we are at that at that younger age and I don't know if I'm but it's the kind of disrobing thing it hasn't stopped though has it and is it something that is women led do you think it's something that's female led am I being a complete prude no I don't think you are like but the thing is like you know because what what everybody wears is so it's so individualistic. So it, I, I'm. It, I. I don't. I'm, I feel like I'm, maybe I'm straddling the fence too much, but I genuinely don't know. But the skin thing, I think, like when you look back on those paparazzi shots of like, and I think so much of that era was characterized by young women going into and coming out of clubs, um, 
and and sometimes in clubs, right? Like because the Motorola flip phone was dominating sort of coverage. We had blogging, all that kind of stuff. Um, you get you what you can literally watch their bodies become whittled down. You know, it's that thing of like Lindsay Lohan. You know, in those beautiful performances in like Mean Girls and Confessions of Teenage Drama Queen and all that, she was this kind of lovely like beautiful body you know you saw and like then as immediately as she started like there's no not disgusting way to say this developing yeah. as a woman <laughs> yeah a, a, a sentence that i feel like will get me arrested um mm. but uh there was this immediate interest in like whether she had implants and like what what she was doing and then you just see this whittling and this whittling and you see the same with the olsen twins and it's this thing of like they they what you think of like very very young women going out socially for the first time courting the public for the very first time uh being forced to court the public basically basically a forced marriage with the public yeah. because of this um this boom in in coverage um and then seeing pictures of themselves constantly and having to have that battle with it and then the that's when the kind of the whittling begins that's when also the the, the big sunglasses the big drinks, the big bags. It's like all these things that are shields, but also serve to make them look even smaller. They look like insects, you know, behind these big glasses. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Never yeah. even thought of that. They do. That's what it is. Yeah, they do. They're like weighed down. It's like those those, those early Olsen twin things where they're just like weighed down. They're so thin by like big heavy cardigans and sort of like hats and all this. It's just like... It's so clearly young women who are just struggling with how they're being perceived. But then that is translated into the public as being something to aspire to is sort of a, a state of like chronic anxiety. Isn't isn't that kind of what's happening with the Bailey sisters now, Chloe and Haley Bailey? Who are they? To some sense. So Haley's going to be in the new uh, Little Mermaid. Okay. The live action and her sister right. Chloe. So these were two sisters signed to um, Beyonce's label when they were really young and a lot of money put behind them. Gorgeous girls. I saw them performing at a Beyonce gig before. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And mm. they've they've gone off into TV shows. So Haley's doing this. Chloe is in the new um, the new program Swarm. Okay. Is it by is it by Glover? I think it is. And she is. It, it, she's in a sex scene at the start of that in, in episode one and that it just happened the other week and the timeline in America just went crazy about her being they've been trying to make her happen for years and now look at her she's a slut and this isn't going to happen nothing said about the lad in the scene this is clearly a choreographed dance move is what they're doing right 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 right, right. and Jesus and all this pressure Put on her, and then you've got her sister Haley, who's a black person taking on the role of Ariel, who's a mermaid, yeah. and the world's losing its shit over that. So, add on the pressure of being young women in the spotlight as you're developing from girls into women, mm-hmm. and then put being black on top of that, and everything. That inherent racism that comes with that and being in the culture and being in the moment. And it's it's happening again. It just feels like what you've just said with yeah. Lindsay Loam. Like it's, oh, I hope that they're going to be protected way more because they were child stars. I just hope that it's 
that there was more protection there because it it was it was like we're we're like we're living in in Britney Spears era still and the ramifications of what happened to her. Tot- I think about this all the time of how I think now might be the worst time to be famous in all of history. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd say that I think it's being a gladiator in Roman times and then it's like <laughs> several hundred years of fame being a kind of mixed but mostly sweet deal and then it's now. <laughs> like it's like unless you were the- unless you were someone who took uh, Henry VIII's eye. You're probably fine unless you caught his eye. <laughs> Every other time in history has been great to be famous. The the high of becoming famous Versus the low of like realizing, oh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I think that journey is much quicker than it ever has been in the past. Yeah. I think gen- before you could probably have three or four years of, of being on the rise, three or four years of being in everyone's eyeballs, three or four years of being a drug addict. And <laughs> then you bottom out, then you get better and then you come back for the second phase of your career. And then everyone's like, wow, she's been through so much. Mm-hmm. And now I think fame is just like you get famous. You immediately realize that everyone can talk to you. Everyone can say horrible things to you all the time. Everyone can say that you shouldn't be a black mermaid. And like all that. Mm-hmm. It's like it just drives you mental so much quicker. And so I think people are tempted to either pull out or put walls up that are so much higher and so much thicker mm-hmm. so much sooner. And I'm so glad they did that. But I also hate that you're Lindsay Lohan's your Britney Spears and all those people who are casualties of this culture yeah. had to go through what they went through. They sort of died for their sins, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. A hundred Sorry, was that really... Got, that was, I felt that was very, like, rambly. But no, like, because it was, it was the first time that we also felt entitled. We didn't have to wait for a magazine to come out and go down with our money after mass in Ireland on a Sunday to buy your bigger smash hits, your sugar, your yeah. bliss, whatever you were buying to get your piece of their life. We could have it straight away. And now we expect it so much. I think it's really interesting and kind of heartbreaking sometimes, sometimes looking at Paul Mescal. Everyone wants a piece of him and you can just tell. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I just want to sit inside and have a chat, smoke a fag and then watch a GA match. Do you know? And I know because he's this nice guy, he keeps on having to give and give and give. And and it he does feel like one of the, the men that's being taken, taken by it all, by the because he's so nice and taking the pictures and taking the and, and doing the mm-hmm. video messages and everything. Uh, I suppose in Ireland, he feels so accessible. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because there's no one is famous in Ireland bar Saoirse, Ronan. Mm-hmm. Bono Enya obviously but no one would ever go near Enya we leave Enya alone she lives in an actual castle guys and, she put a curse on you and Paul and Paul Mescal like there you know there's not really anyone else everyone else you're going to see in the middle island Aldi buying the exact same slow cooker that you're buying so <laughs> you know we don't have that yeah and and that's and that's why it does feel weird when you're watching it happen you know, seeing the, the, the grabbing, like when he was talking about that woman who grabbed his arse um, leading up to the BAFTAs when he was uh, doing the red carpet. And he was like, it was really freaking uncomfortable. And to hear it from a lad, you know, to, yeah. to see this objectification as well of men in this way where it's gotten grabby and gotten and it just it just kind of turned my stomach even though we know that this has happened to women. We know that yeah. Paris Hilton has gotten her arse grabbed. We know all this. And it's just kind of going, oh, now all bets are off. And I'm not, I don't think anyone's yes. reveling in it happening 
to someone being like, oh, well, they're getting a taste of the medicine now. It's horrible to see it happening it's, to someone who's just horrible. trying to live their life. Yeah, and, and it's so it, that bring, it brings me back to this thing of like who we decide gets to be famous. And it's like mm. back in, you know, Nicole in Paris, they were like, we'll be famous. We would like to be famous. We're, we'll be really good at it. We'll say funny stuff. We'll wear cool clothes. Yeah. And we, we'll, we'll always be free to like sign your thing, take a selfie, mm. uh, go to a party, create some interesting moments in the culture. And we'll just do that for you. And then and looking back, I'm like, we should have just taken them up on that offer and not had them work so hard for it. Because like Paul Mescal doesn't want to be famous. He wants to act in a play. <laughs> he wants he wants to act in a play. If that's all he wants to do, he wants let him like go through Paris Hilton's trash so Paul Mescal's trash can be left alone. She's inviting you in. <laughs> and so many are. And this is not going down the Nepo baby's route. No, you've done that and everything. Uh-huh. But it's because so many are invited. I think that's so interesting. Like Nicola Peltz. Nicola, Nicole, Nicole Peltz. Beckham. Yeah, Brooklyn Beckham's yeah. one, yeah. She is inviting you in. You are, mm-hmm. by the way, It you can be rich and just be rich. You don't have to do anything. Like the two of them can just be rich. And live a lovely life. But they don't want to do that. They want yeah. to invite you in. You know, she wants to... I've seen it written, like, the devil works hard, but her PR people are working harder and fair <laughs> play. Oh. <laughs> like, the amount of articles that are placed about her being... Um, what was it? Uh, her global turn in... I can't even remember the name of the movie. And uh, her global star turn in this. And I'm like, oh my God, they are getting this place left, right and centre. And Brooklyn is trying his hand at absolutely everything, refusing to go to school to actually learn how to do the things. But they are inviting you in just like Paris and Nicole did. So that's who we should be kind of going for. But when it's offered up to you on a plate, you don't essentially want it, right? Yeah, yeah. Have we talked about fashion at all? (laughs) No. (laughs) But But I think we've had a good time and that's the main thing. I think we've had a good time. I think we have. Oh God! What do the, you want? The hit? only time, the only time we've ever hung out is on podcasts, and I think that's nice. But I, know. I would like to correct that so we can get this out of our system. We have to change that. <laughs> I'd be cool with Caroline. I'd be cool. Be cool. Um, I want to talk about Mad Men because I I feel like, and maybe I feel more sensitive to this because I was very flat chested. And then when I was 16, I got a lot of puberty all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once for old Carol here. Um, Can you remember I, that? It seems, what do you, do it seems visceral. Like, I can't really remember. I remember my period, but I can't really remember puberty. Can't remember the no. boobs, can't remember the pubes. Can't. Oh, no, I felt like quite quite body horror-ish about it. Not, not Only because... I had been so skinny and okay. like a real, I, I looked like a Hanson brother for until I was like 16. And then, um, and, oh, and all my friends had boobs quite young, I think quite early. They were okay. all like 13 and they had bras and they needed them. And I was, I remember like crying, like begging my mom to buy me a bra. And she was like, you don't need it. And I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's and it the was, clout. Yeah. 
that's the clout. And then she went and she bought me like a little three pack of vests from Pennies that had like a, a strap that looked like it was a bra. I was just even more disgusted then. I remember um, those training bras. Oh, lads. It wasn't even a training bra. It was a vest. It was like a full up and down cotton vest. I just had a bra strap. Oh. But then I was 16 um, and then it just all happened at once. I had already accepted that I was just going to be one of those girls who was like a little bit androgynous and a little bit tall. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's and I've sort of like built my sort of self-identity around it. Yep. And then like within six months, I went from like a C to a D to an E. And then by the time I was 25, I was a G. And Holy I some, uh, shit. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was mad. I, was like, I had to keep just buying bras, buying new bras, buying, like not understanding what was going on. Like, oh my really? God, fast fashion is for you. How did you keep tops on you? It feels like you were just doing a Hulk every five seconds and tops were spinning off you. Heaven forbid you should wear a shirt. You take someone's eye out. Bloody oh hell. Oh, was, yeah. And in, on the one hand, and like, remember when you said a little bit earlier on, you were like, um, you remember putting on pieces of clothing that were like, oh, like this is going to make guys like me or whatever. For me, I, I was like always ping ponging between don't look at me, don't look at me. And then being like, look at me. Like these kind of like wanting to test the power of what I just come into of like, you know, being like rugby shirt, rugby shirt, rugby shirt. And yeah. then like ha- suddenly like buying a red padded push up bra and like feeling my oats to see what would happen. Yeah. And then having too many cars honk at me and then going back inside and changing. But still un- like both being frightened of the thrill, but also being thrilled by the thrill, yeah. you know, because we don't know that power you don't know it you're not you're not ready to wield it like we don't have Thanos's glove we don't know what the hell we're doing we're driving without a license (laughs) you know what I mean we are driving without a license precisely yes and and people think once like all the things that are put on young girls and it's like they were the same person yesterday when they didn't have a chest as they are today with a chest yet we're oh well she's being overtly sexual now it's like she's clearly not she is the exact same person person this is biological there's nothing she can yeah. do about it yeah mm. yeah and and like to the point even now when like I, I'll, I'll be like the first one to make a joke about my boobs because I'm like yeah isn't it mad <laughs> like, I'm almost like still surprised um but around this time so I turned 16 2006 2007 um was when madman came out and even I remember it so clearly because I was so at a loss of like what to wear clothing wise and nothing in the shop seems like I could, I could have it. Um, and I was so conscious of straps as well. Everything was strappy. Everything was those butterfly tops and corsets and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have big gammy straps going. And I'd be getting upset about that or yeah. whatever. Um, and the transparent straps, which were horrible. And <laughs> Not a thing. Then before Mad Men even came out, I remember it so clearly seeing in a magazine, Joan from Mad Men standing in a doorway wearing this raspberry capped sleeve dress which was obviously fitted to Christina Hendricks's beautiful beautiful body I think we talked about this last time on the podcast too by the way Uh, and being like wow like that was amazing and like I I remember seeking out Mad Men immediately and I did not enjoy the show because it was too quiet and too slow and I still feel that way about it but I was just like every time she came on screen I would just be like what is she wearing how is she doing it and then I would go out and buy these like what I thought to be as very Joan outfits but were just so dowdy (laughs) They were just like, and this is like the twee movement. This is like ballet pumps, like 50s cardigans. Like, was that you at all? 
Okay, so when Joan came and it's what you said about the wartime movement and the silhouette. Yeah. So remember when that came out, the Victoria Beckham slash Roland Murray dress, the Roland Murray mm-hmm. dress that was everywhere when Mad Men came out. That Cameron yes. Diaz was wearing everywhere with the tiny cap sleeve straight across the bust. Yes. But, but everyone could fit into it because it was highlighting a waist and then your arse mm-hmm. and your boobs could do whatever they wanted. I bought a dress in A-wear and I felt I was shit hot. I swear. <laughs> and it was, a, it was like I was a receptionist. That's exactly what the dress was. Yeah, yeah. But but at the time I was like, oh my fuck, oh my, because I felt like I was wearing something tailored and I bought it in A-wear. And I was, yeah. A-wear was this yeah. Irish, I don't know what, what it would be the equivalent of. It was somewhere between Dorothy Perkins and Topshop. And yeah. It, yeah, well said. It was just, I oh, still miss it sometimes. And it was great. I really, I really liked that, that moment because it did feel like anyone could look good in that. Like everyone yeah. could, could wear that. But you were dressing as though you were, like you were a teenager and you were looking like you were going to an office. <laughs> like what was going on? Like and that's what I was wearing on nights out as well. It was so demented. <laughs> But it was a thing, right? Like you felt put together. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, it was so much to do with how I was like coming of age sexually, I suppose, because it was a thing of like, because Cork's a university town. Yeah. Like you'd go out very young and they're like, Cork is so, that university is so a place where just like 27 year old guys are like, I'm just going to do a PhD for the fuck of it or whatever. And so it was just like, I was learning that so many years learned that age is that like, oh, you, if you have like, and like your cousin's ID and like yeah. big, big tits, you can like get like a pass or not even big tits, just any kind of a womanly figure. You can like get a passport into this like older male world mm-hmm. that feels so much more genteel than like the schoolboy world that you were part of before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Did you experience that at all? And you were invited in. I was tall. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. able to get into clubs. It's just, if you were tall, yeah. put on a pair of heels, you were grand, you were good to go. And uh, I wasn't ready for it, I don't think. You know, when you're 15 mm-hmm. and 16 years old and you're heading into Docs and Nancy's with a bunch of 28-year-olds, you know, you're still you're still a child and you don't quite yeah. know what's going on. Are you really having fun? You're convincing yourself that you're having fun. Would you like to be out bush drinking with your mates? Probably. Do you know, yeah. the ones who are left outside are having a great time together and they're all outside shifting, having a, having fun. And then you've got, like when you realise, like one night, myself and my friend, we were so young when we got into this older club. It was like whatever, it was considered 20, you know, 20, we remember they used to put that 21s. And there were, yeah. we was been 16, oh God, 17. Yeah. And, and these, like we were at the stage where we were so, we were robbing pints. Like, can you remember that when you'd like yeah, go yeah, around? Yeah, that, I remember that phase very well, yes. When you think back to it, I, I can't know. believe that was a thing. Now I literally wouldn't set my drink down on a ledge for longer than two minutes. Never. Like, and then I was stealing pines. We were stealing. Anything could have happened. We were robbing. It was a thing that you went through. It's like, are you robbing pints tonight? Yeah, I'm robbing pints. I only have a fiver. Yeah. Such a weird time. Uh-huh. Such a weird. But there was one night and I just remember there was there was older lads and they were in their 30s. And they kept mm-hmm. hanging around us for the night and I remember being like there's something wrong here there's something wrong here even if we did look 18 19 
we still yeah. looked young you know and I was like that was when I was like oh I'm going back to the mates we're going back to the club that we should be in rather yeah. than hanging around here because yeah. it's you know that 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 realization is weird when you're like I I I don't have a driver's license for this I don't know what I'm doing this see this is the thing now I'm just listening back to what what we've just both told each other and ourselves is that like you I thought I was getting into clubs and being able to mix with older men because I had big tits and you thought you could get into clubs and talk to older men because you were tall. Mm. Are we lying to ourselves and is just the culture ready to tell young girls that they are women and they do have a driver's license for this? And like, that's literally what we were seeing with Lindsay, with Paris, with Nicole, with all these these casualties of that society like they were young girls who were invited into like professionalism and mm. the adult male world they were being, being manipulated by adult men and then once they fucked it when quote inverted commas once they fucked it up or showed themselves not worthy they were tried as adults if you know what i mean a hundred percent that's maybe you and i are paris and nikki <laughs> Well, my fake Louis Vuitton was from Canal Street in New York. So, you know, <laughs> come on. I was, it wasn't even from the streets of Eos in Greece. I, I went all the way to New York. For <laughs> all the way to Canal Street. But then, isn't it weird that it, oh, sorry, they have to be brought up. It's the Kardashians that then just went, fuck you all. So you've done this to us. We've created, but we're going to take the power back. They have subverted everything. Everything. They didn't let anyone decide you're over, you're done. Like if it had been Ryan Seacrest in charge of that show, it would have been done after two years. But Chris went, eh-eh, not on my watch. And they just went, yoink, going to take that. And they have changed the expectations of everybody else. And it's made like Paris Hilton's having her rebirth again. Yeah. Not that she ever needed to because she's always been wealthy, happy, all, all good to go. But she, again, she's invited it in. She likes fame, which is great. There's, she's no issue with that. And also she's telling us these horrific stories of things that happened to her. Uh, and mm-hmm. she wants to do that to kind of right or wrong. But the Kardashians just said, no, they were just Gandalf. Thou shalt not pass. We're doing this now. Bye. Yeah. And they take the good yeah. with the bad. They t- Like, I don't really, I don't watch the Kardashians. I don't think you need to watch the Kardashians anymore because everything is so no. out there. Um, uh, but I can see how you could, I, I watched the first series on Disney and I was like, sure, isn't it lovely? And they're, we're all, we're all beige because of them and we all have beige things and everything's beige. Yeah, and it's all yes, lovely. of course. They, they've made fashion and, and beauty pretty boring, but that's our fault. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they didn't ask to be so famous that they've literally changed the face of all beauty and culture. They just wanted to make a few bucks. <laughs> And then they and, changed. And have fun. And they changed everything. And that's our fault. Because they took it. But they took the power. It's just kind of going, oh, I don't have to let someone else manage this. We can do it ourselves. Yeah. I just respect it so much because all of the stuff that Nicole and Paris were wearing in The Simple Life, you know, let's take the short pleated uh, mm-hmm. skirts, the, the Britney Spears hit me baby one more time sort of skirt that's everywhere now. You know the way they were wearing, everything was pink. Like all that yeah. is back, but it's in the beige muted tone so we've got our beige platform boots we've got our beige skirt we've got our white shirt yes. and we've got the v-neck over it and our camel coat that sort of hearing aid color that, that uh, beautiful that. hearing aid color but it, hey listen it 
it does work. And there was this experiment run years ago. I wish I could remember this name where these two Russian artists got money and they went around the world. I mean, like they went to places like Kinshasa, Singapore, New York, L.A., Houston, Paris, Stockholm. And they asked people, this was their, this was their, they asked people to describe their perfect scene, like a picture that they would like hanging on a wall. They went all over the world. Wow. And the picture that was described in almost every city they went to from Japan to Nigeria was a blue sky, a cliff, sort of green fields, um, sunshine and some trees. This is fascinating. I just saw it the other day. I wish I could remember it. And uh-huh. it's this was done a good few decades ago by these um, Moscovite artists. And it's kind of the home, everything has gone homogenous. They thought they wow. were going to get such different ideals. And then you can see all the pictures, like it's all online, of everything that emerged. And essentially the aesthetic of what people wanted was the exact same. So we're just, we're getting closer and closer and closer together into this into the swarm mind that is really interesting and that's that's why we're led by fashion in this way because you know tell me what to do regardless of where I am and of course you're going to have breakout stars you know of course you're going to have uh, the Tokyo girls doing their own things and you're going to have the Mm -hmm. uber cool but like at the moment we're in the the phase of the uber cool um Scandi girl yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's. Oh kind my of god! What's I just got on. back from Denmark there last weekend. They're so bloody gorgeous. <laughs> like I can't get over it. It's arresting, you know, when you're, you know, yeah. when you're walking down. It's the breathtaking. Road. Yes, like <laughs> you're walking down the road and you're just like. So it's a Saturday morning. You've all been out the night before because you're all. Okay, maybe I'm talking about Amsterdam more than Copenhagen. Where hi, here's a mortgage I want to drink, but it's. You're all walking around as though you have just finished a 10k run, you've had a massage, and now you're going to go pot some plants. Like, <laughs> let, let's, do, let's do a quick fire where I just go through some trends and you give me your take, whether it's what, what you think about it and whether it's coming back. We'll just do a lightning round to finish it off because we have to leave. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I've, I think I've okay. ruined your podcast. This is it. No, no one's I've loved this. this. Is this is it? This is the juicy, lovely. You know that bit with the the onions get all jammy and sautéed, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is it. Um, okay, jeans with lace up tops. Please, please fuck off. They get tied. We've got pubes now. Pubes are back. That's we're- just going to start coming out the top. We don't need that in our lives. Okay, good. Great. We're doing great. Juicy Couture tracksuits. Very comfortable, to be fair to them. Very I like them. I think they're fun. <laughs> I do. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't mind the Juicy being a bit smaller. As you get older, you lose the arse a little bit. So um, mm. they're very comfortable. Very comfortable. Yeah. Do you know what I'd like? I'd like to see an update where they're like, maybe like, you know how like kind of wide-legged uh, sort of three-quarter length pants are kind of coming back a bit? Yeah. Like sort of like that, and I could wear them with like some like chunky heels in the spring. I was just about <laughs> to say she's going for something chunky because she's just come back from Scandinavia. That's that's <laughs> what has to happen. Let me wear clogs. Um, okay, dresses over jeans. I can't be dealing. I I, mean, I like it. It's I want it to come back, and I like it. But when I'm pulling the dress up and then I'm taking the pants down, when you're going yeah. to something's going to get wet somewhere. 
No, that is a pain in the hole. My favorite outfit when I was 16 was like a, a silk Chinese sort of dress, uh, a, a white long sleeve t-shirt under that and flares under that and turquoise boots. That was and a blue Baker boy cap. That was me on a Saturday and I was like, I am fucking it. <laughs> oh my God, I take it all back. She did have her driver's license and she did know how to use it. That, <laughs> you hit it. Ashley Tisdale, I wish, I wish move I had a over. Picture. It was actually Tisdale and I miss it. Wow. Um, <laughs> all right, ballet pumps. With the Amy Winehouse movie coming out, there's no way to escape them. Do you think? You you don't think that like we've all learned too much from our shropodists? We and, um, sh- we should have my uh, as someone who now wears socks with her Birkenstocks, my feet are too cold for them. I can't be dealing. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. A whole generation of girls getting shin splints. And um, I d- and I think with Birkenstocks being so comfortable that maybe someone will be putting on the ballet flats and going oh no I can feel everything oh no oh no I like yeah that's the thing this this I think we toyed around with heels when we were younger this generation of girls they've been brought up on thick rubber sole trainers like they're not going to be wearing ballet flats their feet have never touched the ground my the I think the thing I admire most about the younger generation now is I live close to town and when I'm walking in on a night out, I walk past the street that all the the school and college students go out on Camden Street in Dublin. And never once do I see on a college night out anyone wearing heels. Those girls are no ready. No stilettos. Nope. Those girls are ready to run if they need to run. There are runners yeah. everywhere. They are in their converse. They're ready. And I'm just like, your feet are going to thank you so much when you're older. And I am so proud of them for going, Mm-mm, I'm out of here. Bye. I love it. I love, love it. it. I hope it. I think I like. I hope a regular choice go out of business. Um, the <laughs> what about? Okay, let's pick a good one next. Oh, denim maxi skirts. I'm really. I'm very. I'm on the verge of rebuying the one that I owned. No. <laughs> <laughs> See the rest of them I really like The rest of them I can actually be convinced on The Denim Maxi I will not be moved I am so close And I'm not even joking It's in Topshop It is the exact one That I wore That I had in the noughties The one that I felt In Galway When I was in college I was the shit I am moments I am this podcast away from buying it I just don't understand When you Picture yourself in a denim maxi. What look do you see? You're, what is it like? A kind of a prairie thing? Like I just, it, I just find it so depressing. I yeah, it's very nun-like. It does return me to the yeah. days of school. You went to Cork, where they were the closer mm-hmm. to to a hair's breadth, the better. I was in Limerick, where if they're not dragging on the ground, you're not. What yeah. is wrong with you? It's and a I, comfortable thing for you. I, I get it. I think it brings me really back to, oh, I remember you were young once. I think that's it. You know that, you know the dress that Carrie wears when she's going to meet Big by the lake in Central Park after oh, the affair. Stop. So good. So you know that dress with the floral yeah. and the floaty and it's kind of, hers isn't quite asymmetrical, but it's got the floaty, almost fairy vibe mm. about it. It's like a pink and white, very romantic. Ethereal, yeah, so effervescent, sort of beautiful thing. I think all of that is coming. I think it's, I think it's definitely happening. Oh, yeah, I like that. And there's a lot of that, you know, the Tinkerbell cutouts. 
you know, where they're just, yes. the dress is there and they're just cutting it up so as that you look like a rag doll from the 1800s. I think it looks kind of nice. I like it too. I just love that kind. I'm very into that um, sort of romantic sort of style of dress that is kind of never fashionable, yeah. but never unfashionable either. You know, it's just very airy and breathy and beautiful. That Just that material that no matter what size you are, it moves. You yeah. know, it moves even when you've got the slip underneath and then you've got the other piece of material that wafts. I like it. Floating panels, you know. Yes. Like, pretty. Pretty girl. Yeah, I like your flag. Um, Okay. What what else? Pointless belts. Massive, big, pointless, pointless belts. belts that go around. The, no matter how cool Kim Kardashian gets in her skims beige life, mm-hmm. I will always remember her outfit with the white below the knee boots, the skin tight denim jeans, the long grey jumper that went down below her arse then a white cami and then a massive white belt that went around her yep. middle I will never in my life when I see her that's what I think straight away Kim no, I will never forget that outfit Those, I know Kim we know you can never convince me we know that you're this sort of like Beige lady, well, you you're a big chunky white belt. You'll always be one of us. That's what I like to say. I'm like, you were caught up in all that shit too. Um, they make me. It's it's like we're ready to be walked on a lead, a big massive dog collar around our waist. <laughs> Come on, let's go for a walk. Go away, mid waist belts that we don't need. No, thank you. That's, well, you know what? That that was just all about. Everything was about drawing as much of the eye as you could to your hips. To the the cum gutters, as they're so affectionately known. (laughs) Let's wrap up this incredibly rambly podcast that I've enjoyed so very much and has felt so much just like being down the pub with you or how I imagine being down the pub with you is like. We'll we'll do that. It has been a pleasure. I'm sorry we rambled. I rambled. No, this was the best. Please not apologise for one moment. It was... So good. Every moment was gold. Even the bits where we weren't talking about fashion, which, let's face it, was a lot of it. A lot of but it. I, I just hope people love this episode as much as I love saying it. It was great. And I'd like to say here, and I don't know if uh, Caroline is going to keep this in, but her book publicist in Ireland <gasps> last year said to me, oh my God, wait. Elaine Egan said this to me. She was like, wait until you read Caroline O'Donoghue's new book. It's going to knock your socks off. Because she knows how much I love scenes from, from a graphic nature. And she was like, she has been buzzing about it for oh months. So I hope everyone that, knows that like there is so much buzz about it. Like chat, 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 chat in the book world. I cannot wait to read it. I'm so excited. Ah, well, and you know what year it's set? No. 2000 and bloody nine. No. <laughs> yeah. So no one has a driver's license. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jones everywhere. Look forward to that, yeah. <laughs> 2009. Yeah, so it, 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 my book is the biggest naughty's comeback of all. So. <laughs> Look what she's doing here. Look, at, I didn't even Look what I've done. Everyone pre-order it. It's called The Rachel Instant. Marin, where can people find you and how should they find you or should they even find you as your experience of fame <laughs> blocking your idea to being found? No such thing as being famous in Ireland. It's not a thing. Gotta be Bono, Saoirse. Hosier. 
He's in there now, I'd say, as well. Hosier. Uh, Hosier's in the mix. He's definitely in the mix, Andrew, you do you. Uh, no, I'm on the telly in the mornings in Ireland on Ireland AM, where you can judge all of my horrible fashion choices because I pick them in the dark at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm online doing bits and pieces. Oh, and I've got a podcast nice. and another thing. Oh, yeah. It's just me and Emma Doran, a comedian. We have a bit of crack. That's it. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.